This podcast is sponsored by FAT, F-A-T-T, a range of keto on-the-go snacks, including cookies, brownies, chocolate bites, bars, fat jacks, and muffins. Fat snacks are delicious, natural, and always free from sweeteners, fillers, and seed oils. Find fat snacks at www.livefat.com. That's L-I-V-E-F-A-T-T dot com. Use the code FABULOUSLY10, that's one zero, to give an extra 10% off one-time purchases. Not valid on subscribe and save. Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 171 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And before we get going, I have to say, and before we get going, I have to say a grateful thank you to Grateful13 from the United Kingdom, who left a five-star review and said, great podcast, listening to lots of very humble experts in the field of keto and low carb. So thank you, Grateful13. We'd really love to get some more reviews because reviews help people find us and find out whether it's something that they might enjoy listening to. So the more reviews we get, the better. So if you'd like to leave us a review, go to your where you listen to your podcasts and then leave a review. So on Apple Podcasts, if you just scroll down on the podcast, it says um, rate and then there's a section to review. Um, I'm not sure how you do it on other podcast apps but if i'm sure if you look you'll find it quite easily the more reviews we get the better it is for us to be found if you do a review on apple i get notified but if you're doing it on a different podcast app then why don't you screenshot it and email it to me or upload it to the website there is a notification there you know contact us and you can send it through and i will read it at the top of a show on a podcast that's coming up so please do rate and review. We love to see what you're commenting and it's really good for us to be found. So we appreciate it. And also before I introduce our guest, we're doing a 30 day carnivore challenge in January. So who is this for? This is for anyone who is already low carb or keto and would like to have a go at being carnivore for 30 days or at least trying for 30 days whenever you try and do something new it's quite challenging to do it by yourself and so with a group you're more likely to stick to it and stay for the 30 days if you're doing it with others 
there to cheer you on, help you, support you, and for you to be accountable to. It's also for carnivores who want to take it to the next level. So maybe you're not 100% carnivore. Maybe you have, you are 100% carnivore, but you have a whole variety of meats and fish that you include and dairy, and you want to try cutting back on that. Then it, this might be for you to try and do something different for 30 days. So if it's of interest, please go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash three zero DCC hyphen Jan 24 fabulouslyketo.com forward slash 30 DCC as in 30 day carnivore challenge hyphen Jan 24 as in January 24. So if you sign up before the 31st of December 2023, there is a discount code for a £22 sterling discount and it's all in capitals E B. 130DCC2023. So E for Echo, B for Bravo, 130, D for Delta, C for Charlie, C for Charlie, 2023. Use that discount code if you're signing up before the end of December 2023 and get that discount. Today I'm interviewing Amanda Decker. And Amanda was introduced to me by Tia Reed. Tia has sent me some great guests and here Amanda is another great guest. So let me tell you a bit about Amanda. Amanda Decker, FNPCMHPCKNS, graduated in 2005 from Vanderbilt School of Nursing. She practiced in primary care until 2018 when she specialized in weight management. She became burnt out in her clinical practice due to the lack of ability to truly help her patients other than prescribing the next best pill. It was at that point she started intervening at the root cause of disease and attacked obesity head on using her own health journey as a catalyst. In her spare time, she enjoys life with her family on a multi-generational farm. She's happily married and has two children. In addition to managing DMA weight and wellness, she is the organiser of Low Carb for Better Health, a yearly low carb event open to anyone. So let's go and hear from Amanda. Welcome, Amanda, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Thank you. <laughs> we always start with where in the world are you? Yeah, so I'm located about an hour west of Nashville, Tennessee in the U.S. It's a little town called Dixon. It's not so little anymore, but it's where I'm from. It's where you're from. So yes. you have that cool southern accent. <laughs> it's not as bad as some. Some get really <laughs> drawn out. <laughs> yeah. So what I'd like to do is start with your journey and how you came to I know you cycle through low carb keto carnivore. How did you find out about it and what brought you here? Yeah, so I don't know how deep into my journey you want to go, but to preface where I started from, I was an obese child. I struggled with being overweight from the age I remember back all the way to five years of age, uh, getting my cheek pinched and what a chubby little kid you are and that kind of thing. And so cute. I also have had psoriasis since the age of five. 
Um, and I struggle with that a lot throughout my childhood, teenagehood, young adulthood. At one point, it was on about 85% of my body had plaque psoriasis on it, not completely covered, but parts of the body up to 85% had plaque on it. Um, throughout my teenagehood, young adulthood, I struggled with weight. I'd really restrict and count calories and lose some weight. And then I'd fall off the wagon and gain it right back. Or I'd go through a stressor and unhealthily stop eating for several weeks and then lose weight and then gain it back, that kind of thing. So it was on and off. And then I always knew something about five years of age for me, I always knew I wanted to go in healthcare. That was always a passion of mine. My mom remembers me playing doctor and saying, this is what I'm going to be. And there was never any wavering from it. This was what Amanda was going to do when she got older. So, um, when I met my husband, I decided I didn't want to go to medical school. That's where I was headed the whole time. But I was like, I don't want to be in medical school that whole time. I'm, I'm getting married. I want to start a family. I, that's just, that's a long time to be in school. So someone said, why don't you look into the nurse practitioner thing? So I did. I was like, hey, this looks like me. I can be in the clinic. I can be helping people. And then you get that ego of I'm going to save the world. This mm -hmm. is going to be wonderful. I'm going to help everybody. I'm going to make everybody better. And for the first, I would say, 10 years of my medical journey, I did the traditional medicine thing. So people would come in. I would say, this is what you've got. Here's your prescription. Have a nice day. I'll see you in three months and just keep repeating. And oh, by the way, you need to eat less and move more. This is what needs to happen. Because that's what I've been doing my entire, my entire journey. Well, it was roughly 12 years ago when I got sick of the back and forth. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. I, I've got to figure something out. And so I sat down and was like, well, what is that old advice that my great grandmother would have given me? Should I want to lose weight? Well, she would say, stop eating cookies and breads and desserts and potatoes and just eat your meat and your vegetables. So it's like, well, let's try that. <laughs> and I did it and it worked well and I wasn't hungry. And I lost the 40 pounds that I had been on and off and on and off with my whole life. And I've maintained that off for 12 years, um, except for when I had my second child. You know, you got to gain a little bit of weight when during pregnancy type thing. But I yep. quickly lost it back and got to my pre-pregnancy weight, unlike my first pregnancy that took years to get that back off. Um, it was also, so if we fast forward just a little bit, so I was low carb eating meat and vegetables. And then I can I just ask you, did you know it was low carb at the time? I no, mean, I didn't, I didn't know it was, it was just an innate thing. You eat some vegetables, stick more with the green ones and you stick with the meats and just kept it pretty simple. Um, and then what happened is I was like, well, if this works for me, why can't it work for my patients? Why can't I give them a little bit different advice? And so I started sharing about what I was doing. And then I started talking about it with a nurse practitioner friend. And she's like, Hey, there's these guys I've been listening to on this podcast called Low Carb ND. You should check them out. So I went on, I listened to Brian and Trove for a little bit. And I was like, this is kind of making sense. This is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. And it's working and it's worked for years now and sustained my weight. And so I heard about Low Carb USA and the Nutrition Network. And I started diving in and getting more into the science and taking classes. I became low carb USA certified. Um, I started taking the nutrition network classes for that. And then I went even further and became a certified ketogenic nutrition specialist from uh, the American Academy of Nutrition. And it's like, man, the science is here. How did I miss this the first 
you know, 10 years of my career because the only people I made better at that time were the people who had urinary tract infections and sinus infections. I can make you better, but diabetes, everybody else, it was just the next best pill and moving on. Yeah. So that kind of propelled my career. I got sick of just that traditional run-of-the-mill medicine and moved more into weight management and helping people lose weight and got those credentials that I talked about to kind of back that up. And it completely transformed my career. I had a vigor for practicing medicine again because I was helping people get off medicines. I was helping people improve their life in a way that they never thought was possible because they just thought this is the way life is. And my practice has just grown immensely. Now, the other thing I mentioned about my story was the psoriasis that I had from the age of five. While I at one point went on some heavy duty medication to get rid of that psoriasis, medications that suppress your immune system called biologics. Um, and <clears throat> COVID hit. And I'm a mom and I'm in primary care still to someone. I'm like, I'm seeing COVID patients. You know, we had this mobile care unit where we would go out and see people all gloved up and things of that nature. And it's like, I, I can't get COVID on this immunosuppressive medicine. It's like, it's going to take me out at this point in the beginning when it was on. So I knew I had to come off. And I went back to my training and I went back to listening to the experts. And I said, all right, I've got to lower my immune system or lower my inflammation as much as I possibly can. And that's when I started dabbling in carnivore. And I went completely carnivore for about three months time, started with just beef, bacon, butter, and eggs, and then started to include other meats and a little bit of cheese. But I went carnivore and stopped the immunosuppressive medicine and none of my plaque returned. It was about two years after that, I got a teeny tiny little bit at the back of my scalp. Uh, I relate that mostly to stress because, well, life is stressful. And you know, when it gets more stressful, then I, I have a little bit more. But my arms are clear, my abdomen's clear, my legs are clear. And how I gauge my diet now is when I feel inflamed, and you can feel it. If you've lived with these conditions like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, you can feel when the inflammation's coming. Then I'll cycle through and get carnivore for a little bit, the itching, the irritation will calm down. And then I'll go back to kind of a, a ketogenic where I'm 20 grams of carbs or less, mainly in greens. And then if, during certain times, I feel like I can relax, you know, uh, stress is not as good. And I might bring my carbs up to about 50 grams in a day. And that's, that's where I live just cycling back through there. Rarely would I ever go over a 50 gram of carb a day, just because if I do, my hunger spikes, it's hard to control my appetite at that point. And I can start to build my inflammation build. So yeah. that's kind of my story in a nutshell. <laughs> so when you're when you're cycling, do you so you, is it just based on how you feel at the time, or do you do it for certain lengths of time and then then cycle it through? How does that work? Um, at this point, yes, it's just based off of how I feel. Now, typically, I will not go less than two weeks of carnivore when I when I go that route. And then when I add back vegetables, I do it very slowly. So, you know, I may start with olives and I sit there for a couple of days and then I may add back avocado and I sit there for a couple of days and then cucumber, uh, just because I want to make sure that I feel less inflamed. I'm not having itching. Some of the plaques are starting to heal. And sometimes two weeks is enough. If I catch it soon enough, other times it may uh, take about 30 days to start to feel better and then slowly add back some of those veggies. Yeah. yeah. I like that approach of um, 
bringing in one thing at a time because then you know well you have a better idea of what's influencing you one of my one of my downsides is I just go for doing lots of things at the same time and I never know what's working but I really should be more systematic in in my approach yeah, I, I equate it with my clients to when we're adding foods to babies, when we're first introducing them into foods, you can't just throw it all at them, you know, at one time, you have to add something back and see what happens. And then a few more days later, you can add it back slowly. But, you know, I think us ladies are very guilty of if this isn't working for five minutes, then okay, we got to move on to the next thing. And we just are changing things so rapidly that our body can't keep up. And, you know, our bodies are magnificent machines and magnificent organisms, but it it takes some time, take some time for it to adjust and, you know, to get the hormones right and to lower your cortisol levels. And if you're just constantly fluctuating through things, whether it's, I'm going to add this exercise, then I'm going to take that away. Well, let me try eating this and then let me try to lower my calories. And if you're doing that every you know, a couple of days, it's never going to adjust. And usually that's more of a deterrent for goals than it is anything. Yeah. When you, so you'll notice what's going on in your body with the, maybe the psoriasis is flared up and then you'll Mm -hmm. go to carnivore. Do -hmm. you go straight back to the um, beef, butter, eggs and bacon, for example? Do you go right back? Yes, I start there and then slowly add things back. The first thing I add back is typically a salmon, a wild caught salmon, uh, because it's a fattier fish, but also because it's lighter. And after a while eating a lot of beef, I love beef. I live on a cattle farm. It's amazing. I think everybody should eat it, but sometimes just eating it over and sorry, Kimberry, when you eat it over and over again, it just feels heavy and you need something a little lighter. So for me, that's the the salmon. Uh, I usually save chicken for last. Uh, because I do think, and I, I don't really have the science to back this up. This is my personal opinion um, that poultry, especially poultry that is fed a lot of corn and grains can be inflammatory. I just think they don't have the way to excrete the toxins the way like a ruminant animal does that has multiple stomachs and things of that nature. Um, that's so I usually save it for last, but I, I actually enjoy chicken. So I do bring it back and, you know, sometimes you just have to eat some of the things that make life happy. And for me, chicken is one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us about the farm. Okay. So my farm has been in my family for roughly a hundred years. I live and work in the same place that I, that I grew up. Uh, When I was younger, my grandfather did cattle. We also wrote, uh, did like potatoes and corn and general garden type things. We raised emus for a while when I was younger Uh, When he got ready to retire from farming, we just did hay um, for many years. And then my dad, probably 10 years ago, decided to get back into cattle, which was wonderful because we all love beef. So my cattle, my beef that I eat, uh, for the most part, is raised right across the road from me. And I'm able to know what that cow has been through, what that cow has been given, what, you know, food they've been eating, uh, the cow that I have every year is grass fed, grass finished. Uh, we do do some grain if people like more marbling and more fat on their, on their beef, but yeah, it's a family farm. So my parents live there, my brother and his, his wife lived there on the farm. My uncle moved into my grandmother's house. It's a, just a wonderful little environment and a great place to be. And my baby sister is moving back. She's building kind of between my mom and dad and I. So. Excellent. Yeah. So is it like a regenerative farm? 
Um, I don't think that my parents are all the way regenerative. Now they run the farm mostly because I'm a full-time working nurse practitioner and my brother's the IT director. My sister's a lawyer. So we're, we're busy people. It's my, my family's farm that one day we will inherit. Um, they do purposefully move the cattle to different parts of the farm. So they have it segmented off. So the, the cow will graze for a little while on this land and then they'll move to the next section because it rebuilds the grass. You know, one, it gets each part fertilized naturally by the cows and then gives the grass a time to rest and grow. And it also gets the cows different nutrients because the top of the grass has got different nutrients than the bottom of the grass. And if they're eating the weeds on the bottom, then it's just not as healthy for them and their stomachs as it is the good fresh lush. But you also don't want them to get too much of the fresh lush because that can do things like turn their hooves different directions and things like that if they get too much fresh green type things. So they need a good mixture. Yeah, I didn't know that. So are you working for yourself or are you working in a practice? I'm, I'm not sure how, how you're set up there because it's very different to here in the yeah, UK where yeah. we have general practice. Yeah. And I would say my practice is probably different than most nurse practitioners in the US as well. So I do work for a company, Dixon Medical Associates. Uh, but how Dixon Medical Associates chooses to do things and is my preference is each practice is run kind of individually and they they manage you. So they give me the freedom to make decisions within my practice within reason, as long as it's not going to cause damage to the group and continue to grow the group. Um, they allow me to treat and see my patients the way that I choose to treat and see my patients. Um, and yeah, I, I manage my own staff, my own thing. I, a couple years ago, so two years ago, I was Let's back up. Three years ago, I was sharing space with a pediatric nurse practitioner and she was wonderful. We are good friends, but the pediatric clientele and the weight management clientele are kind of two different ball games. I was having patients coming in and saying, hey, this uh, little boy was playing patty cake on my legs in the lobby and I'm not a kid person. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so I went to my management at Dixon Medical Associates and I said, hey, weight management is really growing. And I'm helping people and I'm helping the whole group because people are getting healthier, but I'm kind of locked in in my space here. I don't have room to grow. I don't have room to do things the way that I would like. I really feel like in an obesity medicine practice, you need to have certain types of hallways. You need to have certain type of seating. The exam rooms need to be a particular way so that people feel comfortable coming in. And I just didn't have that. Uh, so I said, let me go buy a building. Let me go buy a building and renovate it and turn it into what I feel would be a top of the line obesity medicine practice and give me room to grow in the future. And they said, okay. Wow. <laughs> so I went out and I, I bought a building and I renovated it and now I rent it back to my medical practice. And so my practice is like it's my own, but I work for an employer group. Um, so it's kind of, it's a mix the mix of things, but it, it works for me. It's a great group. Sounds like a good setup. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And my clinic is beautiful. I wish I could take you around and show you on my phone, but. <laughs> so when you're treating people, um, do they have to come in physically or are you doing telemedicine as well? When I first started, it was all in-person visits because telemedicine was not very popular. And then COVID came around and that changed things. It really mm. got popularized. But uh, honestly, I think I'm the only provider in my group that is still using it. Our program, uh, when we come in for the weight group, is we encourage everyone to commit to a 12-week start. 
that they come in person the first time because I want to sit down. I want to have that connection. I want to go over information, point things out to them, make sure they have ample time to ask questions about what we're doing. Uh, And then we do diet is the mainstay of my program, but we do offer medication should the patient choose that they want to. And we discuss the risk and benefits of each one and make that their personal decision. The second visit is always telehealth because I'm just doing a quick check-in in about two to three-ish weeks to see how they're doing. Do they have follow-up questions, that kind of thing. And then I see them six weeks after my first visit and 12 weeks after my first visit. Now, between that time, um, one of my nurses is trained as a health coach. So she is a certified health coach through Mark Sisson's Primal Health Coaching. Yeah, me too. Uh, And she is seeing them between our visits. And we have an app that is the DMA weight and wellness app that has got approved curriculum from low carb USA. So low carb USA has went through and approved all the stuff that is in there that gives them a little daily four minute or less lesson on nutrition, exercise, stress, or sleep. Uh, They take pictures of their food and the health coach is kind of rating it. There's grocery shopping lists, there's recipes in there, there's a restaurant guide. So if they have to eat on the go, it kind of helps them decide what is the best thing to eat. There's a meditation section because stress is a huge part of the weight journey. And if you don't control the stress, it's hard to control the eating and it's hard to even get the body to start losing weight. And there's a exercise section that starts them out and does the exercise assessment in the app. And we'll start them with as little as a 30 second a day movement exercise and slowly help them move upwards. Excellent. That's kind of, and then after the 12 weeks, I don't kick them out. Like my goal is to see you forever and ever, unless you kick me out. We just start spacing our visits further and giving them whatever amount of accountability they need to be able to stay on track. So when they come in, is it, is that through, are you doing it as a group or is it one-to-one? It's one-to-one. Yeah. Group, uh, group therapy is not quite I say therapy, it kind of is therapy, but group visits haven't really taken off in the US. I don't know if they're bigger in the where you're at, but it just hasn't really taken off here. Yeah. Most of my clients are one-to-one and I have had some groups, but yeah. I do think groups are important. It's on my radar to start like some support groups and people who maybe uh, struggle with binge eating might can gravitate more towards that group or the busy mom group or the working group, you know, just being able to support each other so yeah it's on my radar just haven't got there yet just one uh, it all takes time doesn't it <laughs> so what phase are you in at the moment with your eating so at the moment i would consider myself in the ketogenic phase so i'm eating probably 80 percent meat with probably at least 60 to 65 percent of that being beef Uh, But I do, I enjoy vegetables. You know, I like some asparagus and a little side salad here and there. Um, So I might have that on occasion. That's just like servings. What does a day look like for you of eating? Oh, okay. So I typically fast during breakfast. I I might have some black coffee, um, but I typically fast during that time. If I am hungry um, or because I I do try to listen to myself and I I am truly hungry, not stressed, not bored, not just in the routine of eating. I will go ahead and eat breakfast in which that might be eggs uh, or I've found a quick bar that is basically freeze dried beef. Um, I want to say a pua bar. It's, you know, a quick, it's made with tallow and freeze dried beef. I'm like, okay. So that would be my breakfast. Lunch. uh, Yesterday I had a small sirloin with some butter on top of it. 
And last night I went to a charity dinner and had to eat what was given. They had green beans with bacon in it and a chicken breast that I scraped the barbecue sauce off of and I didn't eat the potatoes. So I ate what I could, <laughs> but typically my husband does dinner for us because he gets home before um, I do. And he will generally make a meat of some type and then just a veggie. Uh, usually it's asparagus or a salad or zucchini, cauliflower. Those are the main ones that we rotate through. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And where are your children on this? Do they follow you or are they just <laughs> standard Western diet? Oh, they are definitely not the standard Western diet, especially when they're inside of my homes. You know, when I, when they leave my house, I can't control everything that they put in their mouth, but I can be in control of what they put in their mouth and my home. Um, my, well, let's start with my daughter. So she's eight. She'll be nine next month here in just a couple of weeks. She, we always did lower carb. Even when I allowed them to have breads and things, it would be a low net carb bread, higher fiber, that type thing. But I started noticing a couple of years ago that she was making multiple trips to the bathroom. And I was like, hey, lady, what's up? Have you always done this? She's like, yeah. I said, so you're just going and, you know, peeing, right? No, mommy. That's it's like, and I kept up with it. And the poor little girl was going to the bathroom six to eight times a day. It's like, what in the world? And she would always complain about her belly. And I thought it was nerves or things like that. And then I took a step back. I was like, no, she's got IBS. And from my career and from me, I know that wheat is one of the main drivers of irritable bowel. Yeah. So I said, well, honey, we need to cut these things out completely and see what happens to your belly. And she said, okay, can I still have fruit? I'm like, yes, you can still have fruit. You're an eight-year-old. You can have fruit. You can have all the veggies you want. And we'll look and try to find some little bars because kids like to eat things out of packages. I don't know what it is about packages, but they just, if it's in a package, it's magical. <laughs> so it's like, I'll work to try to find some things for you to take to school. So you're not looking like an oddball, but we've got to pack your lunch and you cannot eat from other things. And yes. So we removed all grain from her and within two weeks, her belly was completely better. She didn't complain. She was going to the bathroom maybe once a day, maybe every other day and say, okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I totally missed this for, I don't know how long. And even though we were eating way more veggies and meat than the average household, it still, it was affecting my kid. And so um, we did find that she can tolerate rice um, and she's a very appropriate, normal weight, doesn't have any other health issues other than this gut thing. So we've made some concessions, like if there's a special birthday at school and everybody else is eating the big cupcake, we found some little small Rice Krispie treats that she has. But at home, most of what she eats is things like Greek yogurt with some chocolate collagen in it as a, a treat. She does eggs. We do chaffles a lot. She'll eat whatever meat you put on the and whatever veggie you put in front of her. And she's completely happy with that. She'll occasionally get some gluten-free grain free, like a pretzel or something, just so she feels normal, but that's not our daily routine. Mm. Now, my son, um, he's 14, which poses its own challenges. And if anyone has advice on how to raise a teenager without losing all your hair or going gray, mm. I am all ears kind of thing. Um, he has recently become a little bit more of a challenge. So he was um, at eight when we really tried to convert his diet because he was starting to have some psoriasis issues as well. Um, we removed grain and things from him at that time and he would sneak and get more sugars and treats and things. And, and I totally blame myself for that because I wish I had never put the first Cheeto in his mouth when he was two or things of that nature. Um, 
So long story short, when he's at school and when he's away, I'm sure he eats all the crap that's out there to eat. But when he's at home, he's given the vegetables and the meat and the other things are just not around. They're just not an option. And if he chooses not to eat, which happens sometimes, that's okay too. I know he's not going to die from skipping a meal, but nobody eventually gets hungry and eats what I have around there. So yes, while he's in my home, he eats those things when he's out, not so much. And I, I hope when he becomes an adult and just like my daughter, when she becomes an adult, I hope they make the best decision for their health. And at least they have the information going into it. Yeah. And you yeah. might find that even though they rebel, especially your son is at that age where they're going to rebel, that hopefully he'll just remember. Yeah. Yeah. And he does, you know, this summer when he went on several like youth group trips and things like that, and he's had weeks where he's eaten a lot of things that we haven't eaten, he'll come home and he'll be like, I, I can't eat that stuff that much because I need a couple of days of just our food. I'm like, okay, at least you know what it's doing to your body and you're aware of it. So hopefully that continues. Yeah. My son, one of my sons is really not interested in low carb what I do is mad I'm absolutely loony and doesn't fit in with him and I one day I just sat down and said you know maybe in 10 years time when you don't feel so great I might not be around because I'm a lot older than him (laughs) I said I might not be around but just remember what I've been doing and that (laughs) you may need to do that too and that's you know that's all I can do that's right that's right and we can and you know even with the other people in our life our family members and whatnot it's really all we can do. We can be the guidepost telling them different directions. When I first started going more low carb, my whole family was not on board and I was offered the cakes and the treats and the things that I loved my entire life. And it was, my mom even felt bad. She's like, why are you not eating this wonderful things that I made for you? And I was like, well, cause I'm, I'm just, I'm being different. I have to be different for my health and I have to own my own health. And when I did that and became very, no, nope, I'm not going to deviate from this. I'll bring my own food to family meals if I need to. I'll make sure I always bring a dish to add to whatever meat that we're having to make sure there's food that I'm covered and you don't have to feel guilty. And I would love to see things with you change too. Well, when my husband and I made those changes, it slowly started trickling into my family. So now, you know, both of my parents eat low carb for the most part. Um, my mom has, she had just tipped over into the edge of diabetes. She has reversed that, uh, and not had to have medicine and her A1Cs are wonderful. Uh, my dad has lost significant amount of weight. He was a little overweight throughout his corporate career. And then when he started eating better, he's lost weight and feels better, sleeps better, moves better, that kind of thing. My younger sister had um, IBS migraines and she has always been a beanpole. She's been stick figure, you know, the true size zero of, of a woman. And so she didn't need to go low carb for weight. But I was like, hey, you know, if if these things have helped my psoriasis and learning in my ketogenic nutrition specialist class that migraines and epilepsy and all these neurological conditions can be helped, maybe it's something you should try for your migraines because they're debilitating at times. They take you out of work for days and you can't take care of your kids. And so she's like, sure, I'll try it. I don't want to take meds if it works. And so now she's says she can tell when a migraine is about to come, but it Mm. never really kicks in. And when it does, it's because there's been multiple triggers stacked on top of themselves, or she has went out to eat with a a group of friends or whatnot and had something in her diet that she didn't realize that was there, like, you know, hidden wheat and a thickening sauce that she didn't think about that kind of thing. Um, But her IBS is pretty much gone, which was debilitating at times. And 
her migraines are at bay without medications. Uh, my older brother dabbles in it a little bit. Uh, he had Crohn's disease, which is a, a GI anti or a GI inflammatory autoimmune condition. And he notices, hey, when I eat grains and things, it, it gets me. You know, yeah. I have way more stomach pain. So he doesn't go all the way low carb, but he has listened to that nutritional advice and seen how it's helped other people and reduced those things in his diet. And it's made a huge difference. So you've had a massive impact on your family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I keep trying to, but yeah, it only goes so far in my family. Mm -hmm. So what else what's coming up for you I, I mean you said you haven't had a chance to do everything you want to do in yeah. terms of your business and how you're taking that forward but have you got any plans on the horizon um I have some goals like I have a goal of hiring another nurse practitioner to work with me so that I can essentially double the clientele that I see to reach more people because right now it's a anywhere from three to six month wait depending on when you call to get in to see me for weight management um, and unfortunately, when people are told they have to wait six months, a lot of them end up not coming to that appointment because by the time they get to it, they've lost their whatever motivation to come in for that first time and make a change. So that's on the horizon for me. Uh, two years ago, I started a low carb conference. Uh, I just felt the need to reach more people. Mm -hmm. You know, in the clinic, I'm reaching one person at a time and I'm doing really well at that, but it's just one person at a time. And if I'm only seeing three new clients a day and working four days a week, you know, that's only this many people in the, in the end of the year. And I wanted to do more for my community and the surrounding communities to have the option to hear about the life-changing things that just dietary changes can bring. So I was at Low Carb Boca. And Dr. Barry was at Low Carb Boca, and he lives probably about an hour and a half from where, where I live. And we were chatting over dinner, and I said, hey, we should do something like this near us. We need to we need to do this for our community. And he's like, well, I thought you'd never ask. It's like, <laughs> you asked. <laughs> so I organized the first event was very low-key, very um low scale. It was held at the auditorium of the high school where my husband uh, teaches. And it was a half day event. And Dr. Barry spoke, I spoke, uh, and I had a diabetes specialist who spoke as well. And then we did a, a Q&A at the end for people. And it was very well received. Uh, we sold 234 tickets to that first half day event. I had local farmers as my vendors. I didn't have, you know, big out there people. It's just some local farmers and uh, there's a couple of low carb bakeries in my town. And so I had them come as vendors. It was very, very well received. Now COVID hit, we had a second round of COVID on the week of the, the event. And so I'd sold 234 tickets. We only had 178 attend, but still I thought for the first time to ever do an event and put it out there, this is amazing. But from what I heard from the people is, all right, I, I got, you got to go bigger. We want seats that are more comfortable. We want something that feels more like an event, a conference, a professional talk, not just something in the high school auditorium. And so I, the biggest vendor that I have around is a, is a local hotel and it can hold about 300 people. And that's where we did this year. And we did a whole day event. Uh, Dr. Barry came back and Nisha was there. Autumn Weathers was speaking, Craig Emmerich talked with us this year, and then Dr. Eric Westman. Um, it was a great event. Oh, and Jennifer Williams, who's the diabetes specialist, was also there speaking. She was at the first event and came back to this one. 
and we sold out. We sold out and people were asking me to get in and do I have extra tickets? And I'm like, no, I have a hard, this is my hard number. I can't go past this, but it blew me away. It blew me away. And it was an amazing day. Um, so we're already working on next year. In 2024, I had the, the rooms reserved again, and we're going to make it a two-day event. We're going to do a dinner on a Friday night that is called a VIP dinner. Basically, it'll be an open Q&A time and a nice sit-down dinner for those people that want a smaller environment. And then the next day, another whole day event with speakers and a few vendors. Uh, Keto Chow has joined us, and, and they've already committed to coming back to next year. And one of the local low-carb bakeries is there in a bookstore uh, that sells, you know, uh, she brings cookbooks and things to help people further this journey if they're learning more and want to take that home. So that's kind of keeping me busy doing that event. Um, I'm also planning another event that has actually nothing to do with low-carb, but still help. It's a ladies' event in March. It's going to be called uh, Nourished. And it's speaking to connecting the um, spiritual health and physical health together. Because mm-hmm. I am a firm believer that it all kind of ties in, you know, at the clinic, we teach nutrition, exercise, stress, and sleep. Um, but I also think there's a huge disconnect between our spirituality and our, our physical health. And um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, and I believe that our, the Bible does tell you and give instructions on how we're to care for our bodies. And we just kind of gloss over it and think mm-hmm. oh, that doesn't matter. So that event is connecting there. So I'm trying to reach out and do things for my community outside of my clinic because I can just reach more people at one time. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I think I do believe in a, a spiritual aspect. Absolutely. Um, and I think that it is definitely influences us and is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, stress is stress is the killer of all good things. Mm. <laughs> And, you know, I think that's where I bring a lot of the the spiritual discussion into things is because we have to be on top of our stress. And I see that that it kills almost if someone's doing really good in their program, they're losing weight, they're being consistent. And then they come in and they've suddenly gained weight. My first question is not what you've been eating. My first question is what happened? What went on in your life that triggered something to go backwards? And it's almost always well, I've got family things going on, or there was a death in the family or work went chaotic. My boss left and I have to take on their job and my job. And, you know, there's, there's usually some life event, some stressor that's triggered it. And I think when we are paying attention to our bodies and whether it is meditation or prayer or social times, you know, it's important to connect all of those dots together. Mm-hmm. So that your your event, just going back to the event, it sounds really exciting. Are the people that are coming to watch, are they low carbers or are they just people in your community that have maybe heard about you and they want to find out more? Who is who yeah. are the um people attending? I think it's a really good mix. Um this year we did have we brought in people from other states, you know, the surrounding states of Tennessee. We saw a lot of those people come in, but I would say at least 50% of the attendees were right here from my local area, um, with a good portion of those being people who have seen me or had appointments to see me or have been following me uh, on my social media type things, my Facebook page, that kind of thing. There are some people that have been low carb for a very, very long time, and they're coming just for the community and the support, because the more you're hearing it, the more you're around it, the easier it is to stick to it, uh, just that accountability side. And then there were people that were like, 
there's, I've heard about this. I've heard that it's a good thing, but I want to find out more. And it's, it's really open to anybody. Anyone can feel welcome and, you know, not feel like you're an outsider coming in. It's not like you walk in and everybody is the perfect size with big muscles. We're all, you know, working on ourselves. Oh yeah. You're going to be challenging Doug soon with his symposium. (laughs) (laughs) I'm avoiding his dates. I purposely, I held it in this year and it's like, hey, did you get your dates yet for San Diego? Because I really don't want to be the same week you are. (laughs) So are are you going on the stage there with Doug? Uh, no, I've not been invited at any of the low carb type things. Now I'm on the stage at my event. I choose to MC there now instead of talking just because it's too much to, to do that. But yeah. maybe you should reach out to him and say, can I come on the stage? Maybe one day. I'm not as, I'm more of the clinical person that's given that personal story and not as much of presenting the research, which I do think with the SMHP, they are really making efforts to show, you know, the research and the science and how it's affecting type mm-hmm. things. Maybe one day I'll get there, but right now it's just my personal story yeah (laughs) I love the personal stories I think they're great yeah yeah Amanda is there anything that you wanted to mention today that we haven't already covered or any question that you feel I should have asked you that I haven't I can't really think of any questions to ask that you haven't one thing we could go into a lot that I think is over overlooked a lot when people go into a weight journey is the idea of food addiction. And I admit I am not a specialist in that, but I do believe that it is very real. Mm. It's very hard for people to think of foods as something that can be an addictive substance. Um, But when you look at the criterias for addiction and how especially processed foods and sugars affect the body and affect the mind. It lines up the same way that something like cocaine or alcohol would. Yeah. Um, And I think because food has always been an acceptable thing that people have a hard time saying, yes, I have a problem with food, but I would encourage people to step back. And when they're getting starting their journey to look at your food and ask yourself, is this, nourishment or is this a drug and nourishment is things that make you feel full and satisfied and you reach a point to where you literally couldn't put another bite in your mouth a drug is something you start could eating and you could continue to eating and not really ever feel full yeah i can only sit down and eat so much ribeye I get to a point where I can't put another bite of that in my face and in my stomach. But when I ate potato chips, I could start out with the bag and intend to eat a handful and could eat the whole bag and then still go back and eat dinner later on. Um, there are, everyone has trigger foods. I believe ever, I don't think anyone is immune to that. Now there are some people who are not overweight and maybe those trigger foods don't harm them the same way that it does everyone. But for me, I had to admit things like Snickers and baby Ruth could never come back in my house. Yeah. They're just things that they can't be there because if they're there, I am going to consume them. I figured that out one Halloween when my kids went trick-or-treating and they brought their candy in and it was one of those little bite-sized. And it's like, all right, I've been doing good. I've been maintaining. I can handle one little bite-sized Snicker. I ate my bite-sized Snicker and the kids went to bed and then I ate all the rest of the bite-sized Snickers that were in their Halloween thing. That's a trigger for me. 
a small sweet potato without anything else on it, it's not a trigger for me. So now that I'm in maintenance, if I want that as my one veggie for the day, you know, I can do that, especially on my higher carb days. I can never go back and have French fries, plain white French fries. I can't have those because if I eat them, I'm hungry for four days in a row. It's a trigger food for me and it will send me in, an, in a negative direction. Um, but foods are very powerful. And the research has been out there for a long time. I did a video not long ago from a study that was done over 20 years ago, comparing sugar and cocaine and showing that sugar highlights the brain greater than cocaine. And yes, it was done on rats, but these little rats would go for the sugar hit before they would go for the cocaine hit, even after trained, which was which. And it was light up their little brains. And that was 20 years ago. And it baffles me that we've known this for that long, but we're more interested or the leaders are more interested in growing profits than health. And it is, it's slowly killing us. It's killing our world. So I guess to not be so negative with that, there's hope, there's hope yeah. on the other side of that, but you have to admit that not all food is nourishment. And not all food was actually meant for human consumption. There's food substances that are generally more addictive. And when you admit that, and then you start abstaining from those things and stay away from them, it's not that life is all rosy and you're never going to be tempted. And it's never, you know, you're not going to fall off the wagon here and there, so to say, but realizing that it's an addiction and not just a I don't know, overeating problem. It's not just that you're gorging yourself at times. It truly is an addiction that... Yeah. You keep fueling your brain and it becomes out of control. But yeah. there is hope on the other side of that. Yes, it's recognizing that one, it's not your fault. Mm. It's it's everything that's been marketed to us and told to us over mm. probably 40 years. Mm -hmm. And and then just separating it out and understanding. So Bitten Johnson says uh, one bite is too many and a thousand is never enough mm -hmm. and it's that understanding i don't have that food addiction but and i sometimes choose to eat things that i shouldn't mm -hmm. um so last weekend we had in the uk we have something called scones which is not the same as yours they're mm -hmm. they're sort of sweet um mm -hmm. things and we cut them in half and put um jam and butter on mm -hmm. um so you'd probably say jelly and uh, not butter uh cream mm. and um they're very fattening and they're they're very you know i would have that's probably a hundred or 150 grams of carbs in just yeah. having that with your afternoon tea but i can do that and then the next few days i might struggle with wanting to eat more carbs mm -hmm. but i can not eat more carbs if that makes sense yeah yeah. And and so I can control it. But the yeah. downside of that is that I can do it. I don't do it very regularly, but I can do it more often than, say, you, because you'll just say, I can't do that. It's going to send me in a spiral and I just can't go there. But because I can go there, I tend to do that sometimes, which is probably not great for my health. <laughs> but I figure that, you know, 95% of the time I'm on track. And the little bit that I'm not, I can cope yeah. with that. Yeah. You know, I don't think it is that it's not that that one scone or that one apple or that one thing of fries is detrimental to your overall health. But if it is that one thing leads yeah. to the next thing leads to the next thing, absolutely. it absolutely is detrimental to your health. And I do have some 
patients that are in that weight maintenance phase now. And I tell them, all right, let's bring back that one thing at a time. And then ask yourself two questions. Did it make me hungrier? And did I start gaining weight? And if it did make you hungrier, that might be a trigger food for you. And it may be, that's not good for you. Yeah. And then the other thing is to recognize that everybody will have a different food that will do it for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Rocky Road ice cream is not my thing. It could stay in my house and rot in my house. I'm not going to eat it. But like I said, those Snicker bars are in my house and I'm going to eat it. Yeah. And I think the other thing to point out is because you were saying about the sugar and the cocaine lighting up the same areas of the brain as does alcohol. Mm -hmm. But also um, Dr. William Davis in his book, Wheat Belly, was showing how wheat does exactly the same thing. Now, Mm -hmm. we know wheat does break down into sugar, so it's very similar, but they Mm -hmm. all highlight, you know, light up the same parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, there's lots of lots of us in this space that are talking about food addiction and mentioning it. Mm-hmm. But I think we still need to get it out to the general public that it is an addiction and you do need to take control of it before it takes control of you. Or it is taking control of you, but you could stop it. You do have the power to stop it. Absolutely. You know, going off of that, often I see with my clients, they'll come in and they'll say, I'm not a sweet person. I don't like sweets. No, I like potatoes and I like wheat and, you know, I like breads and I'm a bread person, a savory person. But they'll come back in a couple of weeks when they've cut out some of those starches. And all of a sudden there's these sweet cravings because it's their body, whether it's coming from the microbiome or whether it's coming from that addictive center of the brain that's trying to get you to eat and consume those things. So they were sugar addicts they just didn't know it all this time because they were fueling it with something that wasn't sugar yeah mine was bread bread and Mm. potatoes Mm -hmm. they were my thing yeah yeah so anything else we need to mention today no i think that's a good wrap up cool so why don't you tell people how they can contact you either through social media if there's someone in tennessee area that wants to get on your waiting list (laughs) how they can do that and and maybe there's some nurse practitioners in the area that are listening that are thinking oh that might be a good job for me (laughs) very possible so um our website is dmaweightandwellness.com and you can find me on instagram youtube Twitter and Facebook, all under the same handle that's at Decker Less Carbs. So that's my last name, D E C K E R L E S S C A R B S. Excellent. Thank you. And now we always finish with your three top tips. All right. So, three top tips. The first one is don't underestimate stress because it is the killer of all good things. So, make sure you're constantly doing things in your life to navigate through that stress, whether it is that prayer meditation or exercise or quilting or reading books, whatever it is that brings that little bit of happiness and calm, make sure you're constantly doing that and don't ignore that side of your life. The second is keep it simple. Do not get wrapped up into all of these grand recipes and all the Pinterest ideas. I mean, sometimes that kind of stuff is good here and there to kind of keep you sane and on the on the right path when you've got cravings. But for the most part, keep it very simple. Meat, eggs, veggies, repeat. Meat, eggs, veggies, repeat. And when you sit there, you'll have better results and 
you'll see your hungers more controlled and mm-hmm. it just becomes an easier journey when you try to keep it simple. Yeah. So number three is be your own self advocate. Mm, if you find those trigger foods, cut them out of your life and don't let other people pressure you into consuming them. Um, be your self advocate in your health care. If your doctor is not giving you advice on how to better your life, nutrition wise, exercise wise, stress wise, if they're not asking you those questions and are just trying to hand you that next best pill, go find another doctor, find somebody else to work with, surround yourself with a community um, that is going to help you get through that and find the right answers. Uh, but yeah, be your own self advocate, whether it's with your family, your friends, or with your health care. Because you're the only one could, that can look after your health. No one else can do it for you. Absolutely. Even those of us that are supporting clients, we can give the information, we can be a support, but we can't yeah. do it for you. We can't feed you and we can't make you exercise. Those are yeah. the things that you have to do yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're on that journey and you fall off the wagon, don't beat yourself up either. You know, we all sometimes run red lights in life. We don't mean to run red lights. We get in trouble. We get a traffic ticket when we run a red light. But just because you ran one that day doesn't mean you keep running the rest of the lights all the way home. So forgive yourself, get back up, be your own advocate and get back on it. Yeah, love that. Amanda, thank you. Thank Thank you very much for joining me today. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.